We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a chaotic week five. Who are you going to start this week? Are there any young up-and-coming players that are going to help you out this week with new opportunities? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast with my guest Jeff Bell from Football Guys and the Debbie Royale. Everybody, welcome to Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by No House Advantage. My name is Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Jeff Bell from the from FootballGuys.com and from the Debbie Royale. Did I get that right? Is that how you pronounce it? That is correct. Yes, the All Debbie right, cool. Royale. So you know, it's, uh, and we have big news on the Debbie Royale. We're actually becoming the Football Guys College Football Show. So we're moving oh, okay, things over cool. to Football Guys. So we're going to keep up a, a Patreon, and we're going to have content coming out still through that Debbie Royale brand. But our podcast, our main show, is going to be the Football Guys College Football Show. We just announced that last night. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I used to play a ton of college fantasy football and uh, I just, then life got in the way bandwidth. You know, I did, we were talking before we started recording that I coach a lot of soccer. Uh, AYSO also stands for all your Saturdays are occupied. Yeah. Uh, so I had to make a choice basically. And I still try to watch as much as I can, but uh, you know, it's just, you really, it, there's so much to cover that you really have to be you know all in on it to do it right. And I can't do that anymore, but I love college football, love college fantasy football. You're in Columbus. Of course, you're in the hotbed of college, college football there. One of the hotbeds, at least. Um, I, I grew up in Big Ten country. I'm a Big Ten guy myself. So, um, yeah, it's very cool. I love the stuff you're doing there. And I love that, you know, we get to talk about this from a lot of different angles. I, one of the things about fantasy football that I love is there a thousand different ways to play it now. Uh, a lot more uh, than when, we, when I started back and we started the company in 97 when I started playing in the early 90s. Yeah, that's, that's about the time I started in the late 90s. I re- vividly remember my first fantasy football experience was um, Sports Illustrated used to have the salary cap game where you would get your friends together and you would make a roster out of salary cap. And it was almost like how DFS is structured. And my very first team, I remember I had Dante Culpepper the first week as a rookie. And then after the first week, I grabbed a quarterback from the Rams that I grabbed Kurt Warner for very, very cheap. His rookie nice. year that he went on to win the MVP. And that was uh, it was one of those you locked the salary in and, and I got him super cheap for the whole year. And and that was my first experience. And um, so that gives you a little bit of context when that was that that greatest show on turf around the year 2000 or so. And so, you know, I'm coming up on 22 years, 23 years playing. So it's been a while. 
It's awesome. It's awesome. I used to play in this 16 team uh, college league where we used every every conference, not just the big five or anything like that. We had a recruiting element so you could bid one of your draft picks. Actually, it's a 24 team 16 round. That's right. I got to get it right. Um, And you could bid one of your 16 round picks on an incoming recruit. Adrian Peterson actually went for a first round pick. Um, that that's about how long ago it was too. Uh, but it, it was awesome. It was really cool. And I started playing with some people I met like in an ESPN chat room, like ESPN.go.com, yeah. you know, basically, you know, if you go how long ago it was and that's how we communicated there. And, you know, we'd score almost someone built out this website and we try to report scores and all that as best we could. But you start to know, like I knew about LaDainian Tomlinson as a college player and that helped me in my NFL leagues. You do. Yeah. You, you get a leg up. And that's what I've always preached that, you know, if you play dynasty, then you should at least have a little bit of Debbie just so that you mm-hmm. kind of see those rookies coming in. Or if you are only a redraft player, like trying out dynasty gives you a leg up on those rookies because we see so often in redraft leagues, that's where a lot of the value comes from is those rookies that hit, you know, Jamar Chase last year, Justin Jefferson, two years ago, Chris Olave this year, those guys that you get a discount on those guys and, and then they turn into top 12 top 24 wide receivers and you're locking them in at a, a discounted price. And so I, I think there's so much value to be gained, whatever you prefer playing fantasy football and trying different game modes and just getting your, your toe in that water just to kind of change your eyeline a little bit. Absolutely. Now I should have known better a couple of years ago. I went Rager like the Eagles. I went Rager over Jefferson and uh, yeah, I'm still paying for that. I do have Olave everywhere this year. Took one with like my, the third overall pick in our, in my dynasty league. And that, that's, it, it's huge to get that decision, right? Yeah, I've got a lot of Olave. I've got a lot of Drake London. I've got a lot of Garrett Wilson, but I've really been loading up for the 2023 class. And, and that's the yeah. one coming up um, with CJ Stroud coming in, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Bryce Young, Bajan Robinson. Uh, that's kind of where that that having that college piece, um, you know, I was very aggressive this winter in my dynasty leagues to go get those picks because I knew what would kind of happen with the cycle and what we're seeing happen. The buzz starts to grow on those. And, you know, we're not even into rookie fever yet, but uh, I'm very stocked to those picks. And, and at the time it, it was a great move. And I think long-term is going to be a great move. It's made for a, a tougher fall this year because I had to give up a lot of depth out of my teams to be able to make those moves. But now I'm looking forward to that. Right. And there's always that temptation. Okay. I'll trade for that pick this year. I'll trade my next year pick for this year. I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Uh, and you know, I want to get that guy. Yeah. I want to go get this. I want to get some infusion of youth into my team. And then you like, then you look actually, I have the second overall pick, but I don't have it. Oh no. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the killer. Yeah. No, I'm very, very cautious about trading future picks. And that's the way I like to play. I think that, um, you know, seconds I'll give out. Like, I have no problem giving seconds, but I always like to try to roll everything up when I'm playing either in a redraft league or in a dynasty league, I'm always trying to roll those assets up. And so trying to, how can I turn my second into your first, just by giving some other things on my roster. And, and that, that's kind of how really how I like to play. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been fortunate so far to avoid that position where I'm handing out the one oh one. but I am in a couple of leagues where I have the picks that are currently looking like the one one from other people. Nice. That's awesome. So uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, the difference between Debbie and Dynasty, can you explain that real quick? So Dynasty, Debbie is really just kind of that extra step. And and so Dynasty, you know, if you play in Dynasty leagues, you have your draft picks and, and that's all well and good. 
Debbie kind of turns those draft picks into players a year early. And you're trying, you're adding that scouting element. If you're a college fan, you're adding that element of the players you're watching in college and you're creating more assets. And it's really kind of using, if you think about having a taxi squad in a dynasty league where you're kind of parking those players for the future, Debbie mm-hmm. is really putting those college guys on that taxi squad. And, and in most leagues, a lot of times you'll see that there will be two different draft pools where you might have your Debbie draft and, and then you also have your rookie draft because guys slipped through. Like last year, Jamison Williams slipped through, and that that's a guy that he ended up being a pretty consensus top six, top eight pick in most rookie drafts. But that was a guy that, you know, he was stuck on the depth chart at Ohio State before he went to Alabama, really took off and became a top 12 pick in the draft and, and spiked that value. So that's the the fun in Debbie is, is you're going to miss a lot. And so if you're somebody that you're not okay Missing a lot on those younger pieces, um, you know, it can be very, very frustrating, but it, it's also very rewarding because, you know, you, you talk about having Adrian Peterson in that league, whatever was paid for Adrian Peterson, that guy was probably thrilled for the entirety of his career. And, and so there's going to be misses, but those hits like that really carries you. Is there another SC, Is there another a former Ohio State player that's now at an SEC school that we should be keeping an eye on? Because with Burrow and Williams, I mean, that, that's a pretty nice haul there. Yeah, right now, Ohio State's kept that talent at home so far, losing Jameson Williams last year. There's not a transfer out there from Ohio State. There is a transfer from Georgia Tech at Alabama, Jameer Gibbs. We saw him last Saturday. He really kind of broke through when Bryce Young went out and he had two long runs in that game against Arkansas to really put that game away. That's the guy to keep an eye on. But you know, you talk about the transfer portal is crazy in college football, and we're seeing so much movement. Um, I guess a former Buckeye is going to be at a future SEC school because Quinn Ewers was the quarterback last year at Ohio State. Now he's quarterback at Texas, and we've seen some good things out of him to start his career before he was hurt a couple weeks back. He's supposed to be back this week against Oklahoma, so that's a, a guy to keep an eye on because he came in as a very touted five-star recruit spent a year with Ryan Day at, at Ohio State and sitting behind C.J. Stroud, and and now he's really captured that Texas starting quarterback job. I'll be watching him carefully there. Uh, how much would you say of your, your leagues are Dynasty or Debbie versus just standard redraft leagues? I would – it's heavily in Dynasty Debbie at this point. Um, I, I would say probably – 70 30 and a lot of the redraft leagues that i'm in are managed best ball leagues or just really just best ball a lot of charity um leagues that that i've kind of pulled back on redraft other than doing charity leagues or i'm in my work league but things like that um you know my my long-term home league we shifted over to dynasty a couple years back that was kind of one of those that and i think a lot of people can probably relate where we started out as a normal standard snake draft and then we added an auction and then we added Mm -hmm. keepers and then we just made the plunge and turned it into a dynasty league. And so um, I really, when it comes to managed leagues that I'm actively doing waivers, that those are really kind of the more the dynasty leagues. And then I try to keep the redraft to charity. I think it's important. There's just so many important elements in that being able to sure. give back through charity, getting those connections, um, but also like keeping your eye line on the redraft because, you know, I'm, I'm in ECR. So I'm submitting weekly ranks to fantasy pros for redraft and, and keeping an eye line and actually playing in those leagues, I think gives you a lot of valuable, actionable knowledge that you can use. Absolutely. Absolutely. There for those who like are are listening right now and don't play in a Debbie or dynasty league, but they're interested. How do they go about like trying to get their league to transition over? What, what sort of tips would you give? So use sleeper sleeper. I I don't know um, what affiliations you have with the show, but I'm, I 
firmly believe in Sleeper. I think that's the best platform for dynasties and and to learn Sleeper. Find out about them on Twitter if your yep. league wants to move over. Um, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm I'm happy to help out. Um, for whom Jay Bell tolls on Twitter. I, I'm happy to walk anybody through that wants to set up and and start doing a dynasty league. Um, really kind of figure out the settings and, and ask around, ask through networks and different things on, on how to really get it set up. Cause that's going to be the most important thing. And once you've got it set up correctly and you know, most leagues are going to do super flex leagues and you're usually starting 10 players and, and you know, your rookie draft is going to be about four rounds usually. And, and just time about those types of things, because the rosters are going to be much deeper than what you're used to. If you're just coming over from redraft, but find a good person to help you set up if you're brand new to it and get your league going the right way. And then, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that a lot of stuff in, in fantasy leagues, uh, you know, a commissioner is is kind of like a, the officials where you feel like they're doing a good job if you don't know who the commissioner is exactly. in, in a lot of exactly. instances. So um, just get it set up right. And, and it really will run itself for the most part. Um, but, you know, reach out to resources and, and really kind of ask around. Yeah, I'm up to four leagues on Sleeper now, uh, including the Dynasty League that I'm in, uh, which transitioned a few years over from another platform. And uh, yeah, it's a great platform. I, re I really like it there. Uh, it's not a full-on Debbie. It's just a Dynasty, but okay. still, um, you know, you know, managing the trading of draft picks, managing the draft picks, uh, it, it's it's fantastic there. That's one of the things I really like about that, that platform. It's a lot cleaner. I think it's a lot cleaner than some of the other platforms that you can get involved with. Um, and, you know, I, MFL, I think, is a great website and the customization is unbeatable there. Um, it, it's just one of those that if you don't have the experience, it can be a little bit harder to step into it. And, and that's where if mm -hmm. you're going to do it, that's where I would recommend. Sleeper is just easier when it comes to, I think, learning how to use it and navigating yeah. it. It's a little bit more intuitive in that regard. Yeah, and we're lucky. We get to play in a bunch of leagues. We get to yeah. do that. Uh, it's it's fun for me. It's a living. I mean, I get I get to play fantasy sports and write about fantasy sports and talk about fantasy sports. I mean, I got the world beat. Um, so it, it's pretty nice. But uh, yeah, it, I I find both those platforms are pretty good. I do find that Sleeper is pretty intuitive, though. I agree. Uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, before we move on, quick note here from our friends on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, they sponsor all of Rotowire's podcasts. We thank them, and so we let them play their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for your indulgence. Uh, my guest is Jeff Bell from Football Guys. You can hear uh, Jeff on his new, uh, you know, his new college show on Football Guys. So tell everybody again, what's the name of this show going to be? It's going to be the Football Guys College Football Show, and that's going to be hitting. Really, we did our finale episode of the Debbie Royale. Um, we that would be in your podcast feed, and if you want to go back and you want to hear, um, we really structure that and we dive into the. We, we kind of break that into three seasons, and part of the year we talk about rookies coming in, and then. Once that the draft happens, then we kind of shift towards the next year and, and doing a Debbie aspects through the summer and kind of giving previews and giving a heads up on that upcoming class. And then during the, the season, we really dive in weekly. It becomes a weekly college football show where we're hitting on all the hot button topics that are going on that week and, and whatever might be bubbling up in college football with a, a lens towards Debbie, but it really is kind of just a, a college football conversation show during the season. And so if you want to find old episodes, the Debbie Royale moving forward, it's going to be the football guys, college football show. And that's going to be available on the football guys, YouTube page. And then All it's right. also going to be available in a you know, podcast, whatever you might use. Fantastic. Uh, so as someone who is a, uh... You know, big on the dynasty and the Debbie aspect there. You're attuned to young players, especially once they hit the NFL. Two struggling young players I want to talk about. We got uh, Trey S. asking actually about one of them, and that's Kyle Pitts, uh, who's been, you know, source of much consternation this year. I have a lot of Kyle Pitts in my redraft leagues, um, banging my head against the wall. Uh, what's your take on his setup and his situation and his output so far this year? I mean, I'm floored, to be honest with you, because part of my assignments with football guys is I cover the Atlanta Falcons during training camp. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I prepare a weekly report on them. So I'm reading about the Falcons training camps every single day. And, you know, I watched all the preseason games, read about training camp. The, the usage shocked me, um, to be honest with you. That was a player that I invested heavily in. And I really believe in that talent, but everything I read and everything that I saw, he was just dominating. And, you know, they had a split scrim scrimmage with the jets. And, and that's when Robert Sala had a, a quote after that talking about how I forget who he compared him to, but you know, Calvin Johnson or something like that, very, very high end player. And that's the expectation that coming into it, I think the biggest concern right now, moving forward, the Falcons are winning football games. And, right. And right. That that's the Arthur Smith doesn't think that there's anything wrong with the usage of Kyle Pitts right now because they've won two games in a row. And week one, they were a missed kick away from winning. And week two, they were a throw in the end zone that was intercepted away from winning. So, you know, this isn't a situation where this team's one and three or zero oh and four, and they're saying, "What do we need to change?" They're feeling like they're doing something right because they're winning football games and they are not getting Kyle Pitts the ball and uh, they're leaving him in the block more. And obviously now today it just popped up that he's got a hamstring injury. So uh, it's just very, very hard for me to see him returning that value that we used to add him in those drafts. And it's really it's crippling because you had to use in most cases, a third round pick to add him to those leagues. So you built those teams around having that advantage at tight end, right? You, you backed off a running back wide receivers there to be able to have that advantage. So not having that advantage at that position 
it just kneecaps your team. And so, you know, we all we can do is really sit and wait and pray. Certainly don't drop him or give him away for nothing because the talent is there. And, you know, this is also a situation where if they start to hit a skid and we saw kind of at the end of the Cleveland game, they moved away from Marcus Mariota throwing the ball a little bit. They just said he threw a yeah. pick and they said, you're going to we're going to run the ball the rest of this game. And the hope there, maybe if something turns, Desmond Ritter gets in and, and maybe they give him a little bit of more opportunity. But it's certainly heartbreaking right now what's going on with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think game flow is a huge issue. They play Tampa this week at Tampa. They fall behind two scores. Well, okay, they're not going to be able to run the ball 11 times in a row like they did against Cleveland. And Cleveland also is missing Garrett and they were missing Clowney. And that might have had something to do with the fact that they were able to run the ball down their throat 11 times in a row. Uh you know, so I, I think that'll change. You know, you saw the little bit in the Seattle game where they did make an emphasis on t- throwing to pits. I wonder if that hamstring was bothering him in game and they didn't really say a whole lot about that either. That, I think that's possible. I think it is too. And the other thing, Drake London has played really well. And oh, yeah, they're, great. they're giving him opportunity too. And and so it's very, very targeted tree for the most part. We, we see a lot of passes going to London and a lot of passes going to Kyle Pitts. And so when you're dealing with a lower volume, volume team or even just any team, that's what you love to see for fantasy football. Predictable volume going to players. Uh, you just wish that Kyle Pitts would be getting a little bit more of that. For sure. Uh, similar situation, uh, Travis Etienne and Jacksonville, Jacksonville's playing well, they're two and two, they're tied for first in their division and they look it, they look the part. They, it's not like they've had these, you know, Atlanta kind of had kind of some maybe cheesy wins or whatever. Jacksonville looks legitimately good. James Robinson looks legitimately good. Are you concerned about Etienne for the rest of this season? I'm cons- I am concerned because I think when you go back to week one, he kind of made a lot of mistakes in that first half and it seemed like they were yeah. ready to give him that starting role in the first half of that game. And he had the drop touchdown. He had another fumble that went out of bounds and it kind of seemed like he got benched at that game. And if you look back at the usage at that game, he went major stretches of the, of the second half without playing. And he, he really kind of, he snuck some, touches in towards the end of the game and it made the numbers look okay and I think we are seeing situations where weeks two and three they won by so much that they were able to get him usage just because they were winning but the comments after that first game Doug Peterson talked about the importance to the team of James Robinson and then we ran in the game script a little bit last last week too where that kind of went away from James Robinson I think ideally they want to pound the ball with James Robinson they want to use Trevor Lawrence in the passing game and these receivers that we've seen perform very well. And I think that is major concern for Travis Etienne. And, and, you know, he, he's essentially a rookie and, and that factors into it. But remember back, Doug Peterson was driving everybody in fantasy crazy with how he was using Miles Sanders before. That's true. And, and you yeah. know, that was one of my concerns going into this year that, you know, we never saw Miles Sanders get the ball as much as we wanted to. And, and Etienne was a player that was a major fade for me at ADP just because I kind of expected Robinson to get more work than I think a lot of people were playing into it. Um, And unfortunately we've seen that play out. Yeah. And it's a good story too, because Robinson came back from the Achilles. I mean, compare him versus Cam Akers. I mean, they look completely different. Robinson looks like he's got a lot of burst. Akers doesn't. Yeah, and Robinson doesn't mess around. He gets north and south, and he's really a polished player, too. And I think that that's one of those, I don't know what's going on with Cam Akers because he makes a lot of mental mistakes, it seems, and he doesn't seem to have that burst, and it just doesn't seem like he's comfortable at all. Whereas Robinson's not going to mess around. He's going to get the yardage, and I think that that can compare that to Travis Etienne a little bit. And we see Etienne, he's he's the guy that likes to bounce it outside a little bit more. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily play all the time in the NFL. And I think that 
they're kind of looking at trying to stay ahead of the sticks and, you know, all the cliches when it comes to, you know, really running the ball with James Robinson. Absolutely. I, I think Robinson has a really nice get well week this week against Houston. Uh, I, I think ETN could still contribute. I, I think it could be one of those games where they're going to be playing with a lead and so both backs might be active, but I, I have Robinson as a top 10 back this week. I do t- I have him right on the edge of that too. He's pretty close for me. I'd have to double check where it is. Um, but ETN is the type he will play and he's, he's so explosive that it really, really only need one play to pay off. And so that's true. He scores a 30 yard touchdown and he's a play. And the other thing that's kind of like the Kyle Pitt situation too, where you used a third, fourth round, whatever pick might be. And so you're kind of short in that position if you're not getting the production out of him. Right. And, and especially in the case of tight end replacement value is pretty low. I mean, I mean, you could, maybe Will Disley's hanging around out there for his perfect 12 targets, 12 catches and all that. That's Totally bankable. Uh, but no, I mean, it, it's just, it's really hard. Tight end's been a disaster this year, too. It's really hard to find it. Unless you got, uh, you went out and you, you picked up, uh, you know, you know from like, uh, I'm trying to even think who is, I guess, on the Jets, uh, uh, you know, get, getting um, Tyler Conklin. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you got Conklin or maybe you got Njoku. I mean, Njoku, it, it's, Gerald Everett. I, yeah. You know, Everett been- early. Yeah, productive. So, yeah, but, it, it, you know, Conklin concerns me because that's a guy that I don't know how much of that is sustainable because we saw so much passing volume those first three weeks. And so and they were willing to spread the ball out. And so I think it's it's kind of hard that you need to make sure I think when you're looking at the Jets weapons and saying, well, they're not going to throw the ball probably 52 times a game with Zach Wilson moving forward. And if that number drops down to the low to mid thirties, like we saw this past week, that's going to kind of peel back from everybody. And that's going to I think, create a scenario where, you know, maybe, maybe Brees Hall is the only play in that offense, or, you know, you're hoping for a big play out of somebody. But I think that that's an area where we might've gotten a little bit of false flag on that offense to start the season. And even with that, you know, a guy like Elijah Moore is still a concern that he hasn't produced even with that. And so that might be a situation where you're stuck. Agreed. Uh, and you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, Whoever thought it was a good idea, let's put the game in Joe Flacco's hands uh, 50 times a game, three times in a row. It's it crazy. Uh, but, I mean, they do it. They added the weapons. They added Wilson this year. They added more last year. I mean, they added Corey Davis, and he's had his moment. I mean, and then you got Hall and Carter, too. I mean, Carter's now an afterthought after being uh, kind of the lead guy the first two weeks. Now he's no longer that. Uh, we I'm not surprised at that part of it there. But nonetheless, it, it's still it's just a lot of mouths to feed and not enough food to go around. Yeah, that that's kind of what I thought too. I thought Brees Hall would would seize that coming into the season, and then Carter kind of started out. But you know, this past week, especially the end of that game, it really looked like Brees Hall had taken over that backfield, and I do expect that to play out moving forward. Absolutely, we're going to talk about a tricky situation in Denver, but first, a quick note from our friends at No No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fancy sports platform available today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, easy for me to say, earn points for corrected picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. 
Sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's NHAWIRE at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. I'm here with Jeff Bell from footballguys.com. Uh, the Denver Broncos had a big loss. They lost Javante Williams. We are all hoping this was going to be the big ascension year. It was pointing in that direction. Melvin Gordon gave up a fumble six. He's had lots of problems lately. Now all of a sudden he's a feature back and we're starting to look, at least that's according to their offensive coordinator there. The, uh, the uh, alternatives are Mike Boone or, you know, they just got Latavius Murray off the taxi squad from the saints. Uh, what are your thoughts this week on what do you do Thursday night with the Denver running back situation? I think the short week is going to bail you out a little bit because um, I think they're going to have to kind of feel like Latavius Murray is not going to immediately step in. I wouldn't think and have a major role. Uh, and I think that they are going to rely on Melvin Gordon because they need to get this thing rolling. And so, yeah. you know, there is a long history between Melvin Gordon and Russell Wilson are very comfortable with each other. They go back to Wisconsin days, so they know each other pretty well. And I think that that's going to play into it long-term moving forward. I'm a little bit concerned that maybe you see a lot of usage for Melvin Gordon on Thursday, but that might not translate towards next week because Latavius Murray looks good last yeah, week for New Orleans. And, and he looked like he, you know, he, he looked like he still had some life in his legs. And I think short yardage, that's a guy that I think could take over short yardage. And so they, they were playing all three backs when they had Javante um, Williams, you know, Mark, Mike Boone was still getting snaps and working in through that game flow. So, I think that's what they want to go. They want to play all three backs. And I think Latavius mm -hmm. Murray is going to see usage. Um, and I worry that I think it's going to be a great start this week to start Melvin Gordon. And I think you have to put him in there if you've got him. But I wonder moving forward, if you're not going to see more of a split into three headed backfield. I think you're probably right about that. Boone had that bad drop too uh, against the Raiders that might've, he might've started taking even more of a share had he been a little bit more reliable. He had a drop. I think he had two drops on that series, but the fourth one was, was really bad. Uh, I think he's interesting. I think Gordon's a very interesting sell right now, if you can. To that end, Jacob asks, should I tra trade Melvin Gordon for Rashad Penny and Adam Thielen? I I don't. I know the uh, Penny versus Walker is its own headache, but I, I think Penny's going to be just as good as Gordon the rest of the way, is be my thought. I think so, too. And, and, you know, Adam Thielen has really performed well the last couple of weeks. And, he has. you know, every year we kind of go into the season with Adam Thielen of like, is this going to be the year that he loses it? Because you don't see very many 32 year old productive wide receivers, um, but he's got it this year still. And and so mm -hmm. that would be a move that I'd be comfortable doing because we're walking into buys here. And so if you're able to plug Thielen in there and he's giving right now that like low end wide receiver to production, even a little bit better the last couple of weeks and that can really buoy you in moving in through the buys and, and help round out your roster. And I think you're exactly right. I don't think you're going to lose a lot off Melvin Gordon to Penny. I do. I think that's a good move for Gordon because if we do get a reveal on Thursday night that he's not what we're expecting, that value is going to sink. But at the same time, that goes the other way. If he's the feature back and he looks like old Melvin Gordon, that value is going to spike on him on Thursday night, being in that island game. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Uh, since this is all about Wisconsin players, let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. Already ruled out for Thursday night. Uh, who do you like? Do you like anyone to take over? Do you like Hines to take over? Do you like uh, Deion Jackson? Anybody in that Colts backfield? 
I'm intrigued by Deion Jackson. I think it's going to be Naeem Hines, and Naeem Hines is certainly the play. Um, And hopefully we see a little bit more passing usage, especially in PPR leagues. I think they're going to be a little bit creative in getting the ball. I thought it was going to be Deion Jackson because he was the only other back that they carried in through the season. But it kind of sounds like they like him more for that special teams. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. the the thing with we're kind of seeing with in San Francisco where Jordan Mason is a guy that got a lot of preseason buzz. And it's, you know, Elijah Mitchell goes down. Terry and Davis price goes down and you think like, okay, maybe they're going to give Mason a shot, but it seems like they're just willing to bring Tevin Coleman, Marlon Mack, whoever off the street and keep him in that special teams role. And it kind of sounds like Philip Lindsay is going to be that same type of thing where, you know, maybe he's the change of pace and maybe they're more comfortable keeping Deion Jackson in that role that they've had him in serving in special teams. And maybe he touches the ball a little bit, but I do think that Naeem Hines is going to be the play there, and especially in PPR leagues. I've got him ranked pretty regressively in PPR leagues as you know a middle towards the back end of an RB2 because I think that they're, it's easy in PPR to kind of goose those a little bit with running back that's going to catch passes. Sure, absolutely, and especially in a short week where you don't really have a whole lot of time to work everybody else in. You know, I have to say it. This week, with all the running backs that have opened up, whether it's, uh, you know, Hines hasn't really been available. I saw one league where I had him, he was available uh, out of like 20. But uh, my dog really is hates these running backs this week, too, apparently. Uh, but, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, Deion Jackson, whether it's Algier, whether it's Caleb Huntley, I haven't been too aggressive. Uh, I, I've got, I've landed a couple uh, Caleb Huntley shares because I think he'll get some goal line carries at least, but I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, it's more just like, I think Atlanta's committed to running the ball. That's about it. Yeah. I think they're going to rotate those through because Tyler Algier did not look good, uh, in, until the Cleveland game, then you right. know, they kind of gave him a shot week two, week three, and he was a healthy and active week one behind Damian Williams. And they, you know, they really relied on Cordero Patterson. And even the times that Tyler Algier got in, you know, he didn't look good until Cleveland and they were really able to do whatever they wanted to in Cleveland. And, and there was some talk throughout camp that Huntley was, had earned a spot over Algier, but it was one of those that they thought they could get Huntley through to the practice squad. And, and they knew Algier that would not happen, keeping him on that rookie contract. So I think that they're going to split evenly. And I think it's, Really, if you're going to play one of them, you're hoping for a touchdown because I don't think either is going to be super involved in the pass game. We know that they don't want to throw the ball in general. And then Avery Williams is a name, too, to kind of out there that I don't think he's going to have any fantasy relevance. But if he sneaks in there and takes three or four targets out of the backfield and those aren't going to Algier or Huntley, it's just going to really muddle it up. And you're going to get into a situation where even in PPR formats, it, it, these guys are what run for 50, 60 yards. And that's a good game, but you're only putting five or six points in your lineup. If you don't get a touchdown. hundred percent. Right. And then you talked about, we talked about it earlier about the game flow uh, on the road against Tampa Bay, a team that traditionally is pretty hard to run the ball against. So CEH looked pretty good doing so last week, but then again, that's chiefs are just a different animal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I was, I was very uh, lukewarm on uh, my, my aggressiveness this week there, and it's a shame because I have a lot of Javante Williams. I had to, you know, I'm trying to replace him, but this isn't the week to get that replacement, unfortunately. Yeah, and there's there's context in everything because you know I'm somebody that I like to draft zero RB when I, I yeah. draft usually, and so uh, you know I'm hoping for any warm body at running back, and so it's one of those like, oh, Tyler Algier might get me 15 points if he gets a touchdown. All right, what a fantastic play. Whereas if you're somebody that you actually have running back depth, you know, he doesn't rank very high on weekly plays for me. 
for sure, for sure. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right about that. And you're also, but you're probably also doing more speculation before he gets the opportunity too. You're trying to find that next guy to pick up or yes. swoop in when someone gets frustrated with James Cook or whatever the case may be, whoever that high upside back might be. So who who was it that you were looking at this week since you're a zero RB guy? I, you know, we touched on Huntley, um, Algier. I've picked up Latavius Murray in leagues, but again, we touched on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James Cook, you, you mentioned him in the Miami game. It was, it was interesting because they were using him more as a receiver and getting him in the game. But then we saw week four that shifted hard towards only Devin Singletary playing. Yeah, and so, right. so that's one that, um, you know, he's there, I think. And, and that might give a situation where somebody might drop him and add him on a speculatively play. Um, Raheem Moster, I think is maybe a name out there that he's probably on most rosters, but it seems like he's really taken that Dolphins running back job. I know, Chase Edmonds has scored touchdowns the past couple weeks, and that's kind of kept him in there. If you're somebody that just looks at the raw fantasy points, but the snaps went hard towards Mostert last week. It was, I think it was something like a 70 30 split or something close to that. And Mostert just looks much more effective. And with Teddy Bridgewater coming in and I would expect that they're going to lean on that run game a little bit more. Mostert's a, a piece right now that maybe is easily obtainable that is flying under the radar because he hasn't had that big week. Um, but we know this Jets defense can be hurt. And so that might be an, a speculative name out there that, might have a pretty low acquisition cost that could really return a lot of value in the short term. Yeah. I, I, it was interesting that Mostert came even in on the Bengals game. He came in on third and 10, a couple of times. And what you think of him as like first and second down guy and throwing Edmonds on passing us. No, it wasn't like that at all. You know, Edmonds was a red zone guy. Uh, he had the one great catch and then he had the one bad drop and then he got a touchdown after that too. So uh, it, 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 he still might be the red zone receiving target and that's going to complicate matters, but I agree. I saw that snap share too. And, and he looked like the faster, Mostert looked like the faster guy out of the cannon running the ball too, for sure. He did. He just looked much more better at finding space and, and creating, yep. you know, and, and Edmonds just kind of seemed like much more hittable and much more easy to get a hand on and going down when that happened. And Monster, you you know, it was really a lot of those that just slicing through it and picking up six yards when you think that it should be maybe two yards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk a little Alvin Kamara in a second. We're also going to talk about quarterbacks getting a chance here. But first, we got a quick note from our sponsor, Swagger. Play with Swagger. There are 50 million fantasy sports players and sports bettors in the U.S., but 90% of all cash prizes are won by only 2% of all players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing because of one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with all the major U.S. pro sports, as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even esports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus match your first deposit 100% up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all fankind. I'm here with Jeff Bell from Football Guys. 
Uh, Kenny Pickett is the first of the uh, rookie quarterbacks to get a start. Not the first to throw a touchdown pass, but the first to get a start. Uh, unfortunately, he draws the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo this week. Doesn't uh, This is about as bad as it gets. It does. And and I, our good friend Sigmund Bloom at Football Guys, he's had a, a stat that, that he's tweeted out the past couple of weeks that the quarterback playing Buffalo has been like the worst fantasy quarterback. That. Like cumulatively, yeah. like if you add week to week, it's like the worst quarterback in fantasy. And that's even after playing Lamar Jackson last week. And so that's one of those that that's a very, very scary situation, I think, to put picky in. I did. It's encouraging. And, you know, it, he doesn't play the same style. But um, if you remember back when Baker Mayfield came in as a rookie, and it was just one of those that they had Tyrod Taylor in before. And Baker Mayfield was just seeing it and throwing it and, and just yeah. kind of relying off instinct. And I think that, you know, I saw another tweet. It was a, a back-to-back on Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. And, and Pickett just sees it and he throws it. And whereas, like, Trubisky eats it and even though the the guy is flashing open across the middle and ends up taking a sack and I think it's one of those that sometimes you see these rookies come in and they are just going off pure instinct and they're going to let their guy go and make a play and I think that that's what we saw out of picket against the Jets obviously three interceptions is not great against a Jets defense that we think is exploitable and you know I, I think that I don't, you can't play Kenny Pickett, I wouldn't think, against Buffalo in fantasy. But the encouraging thing is maybe you're going to get some usage out of the weapons that were kind of being stifled by Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely bodes well for George Pickens. Uh, I think I think a lot of people said it doesn't bode well for Deontay Johnson. And that might be true just because Johnson was getting such a dominant target share. But he's not going to go away either. No, I, and, and I think that's wild that you see a lot of people out there that, uh, you know, George Pickens is the new alpha and it's been one game, you know, Deontay right. Johnson had 11 targets in week three and he was still the guy and he's still going to be the guy moving forward. But um, Pickett being willing to allow Pickens to make a play is where the real big upgrade is because, you know, we saw the great catch with Trubisky from Pickens on that Thursday night game, but they're just not giving him any sort of breathing room on that. And, you know, that's a guy that all summer long, it, all the camp reports were talking about how Pickens was looking in practice. And so just give the guys opportunities to make plays. And I think that that's where the big upgrade is going to be. But I think you're still going to get the volume out of Deontay Johnson. I think you're right about that. Um, and I, again, I wouldn't really want to start a whole lot of anybody, even, even Johnson against Buffalo. I probably would, if I have him, I'm probably stuck starting him because I'm, Struggling to find a better alternative, especially in any league where I have three receivers and a flex. Uh, maybe if you're playing like in, in some of the leagues that have two receivers, maybe you can make an exception for that. But uh, for the most part, I'm probably still starting Johnson. It's going to be pretty tough, though. Uh, Alvin Kamara. OK, he's he's really struggling so far. He's not involved in, as involved in the passing game successfully. At least he's had I think he had one game where he had seven or eight targets, but we haven't seen that big game from him yet. He's missed two games with rib injuries. He did practice today. Uh What's your take on him going forward? Well, hopefully we see it this week because against Seattle, that needs to be a get right game. But I yeah. am concerned moving forward because I think this is one of those rare cases where he really benefits from having a backfield mate that can take that inside pounding. And, and you know, Mark Ingram's OK, but I feel like Mark Ingram is at this point in his career where we see small flashes, but he's probably a better guy to have in the locker room than actually a better guy to give the ball to anymore. Right. Be, and we saw last year Kamara shifted towards that being that primary running back. And we saw all that value get sapped out of the passing game. And he's a guy that, you know, he can lose 
four or five points quick by being that way. And, and especially in PPR formats by not getting that passing game usage. And yeah, it's something that we saw and it's something that we've seen so far this year. And so long-term that's a player that I'm concerned on, not even talking about age and age cliffs and things like that. Um, but you know, hopefully this week is a get right week. That being said, if he does get right this week, I think that's going to be your opportunity that you probably need to explore getting out of him because that's just a headache that long-term I, I don't want to be invested with. Yeah. And to make matters worse, he's not like guaranteed goal line carries. Taysom Hill's just out there just gumming up the yeah. works for all of us, you know, lighting up Twitter every time he touches the ball. Uh, and, you know, so there's that as well. Mark De Silva asked a question. He goes, should I accept this trade? Should I uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Pierce for Kamara and, and Ayuk? He'd get Kamara uh, full point PPR. He also f- f- follows up, says he wants to counter with Kamara and Connor uh, and add in Dobbs. Uh any thoughts on the, the possible trades here? I like so. I guess context is this dynasty or is this redraft? Because right, good point. You know, it's uh part of me feels like that's a sell low on Kamara, but at the same time, I think Stevenson gets the Lions this week, and that could be a launchy pad game for him. We saw what Richard Penny yeah. was able to do against the Lions, and I love what we've seen from Damian Pierce, and it seems like he's the one piece of that Texans offense that's really working. So assuming that you have the depth there, gosh, it just feels dirty to give up Kamara and not get somebody a piece back that you feel like is a, a slam dunk elite piece. Yeah, Mark follows up and does say it is redraft there. So uh, thanks okay. for the clarification on that. I bet, you know, I think Kamara is one of those more most often traded guys right now. If you go to like Yahoo or ESPN, like Yahoo's got a great feature where you can see who they've been traded for and all that. Uh, the good research tool if you play any league on that platform. Um, and I, I always like going to see that there on the hot button guys like that. Uh, Elver says he traded CEH for Kamara. Uh, so there's another one, you know, CEH on the, that's almost like the perfect sell high buy low right there. It really is right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's one that, you know, that's going to be a 300 backfield in the, the chiefs. And, and it does kind of look like I was diving into that actually today. And it looks like it's, if they're ahead or they're even then Pacheco is that other back. Right. And if they're trailing, then it's going to be McKinnon and CH is kind of the constant piece there. Um, and so that you're getting crazy efficiency out of Clyde Edwards Hilaire right now, but long-term like Kamara just has a higher ceiling. I would have to think. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Uh, and Pacheco's interesting too, because, you know, CH was the new kid in town. Now all of a sudden, you know, NFL Jerry Glanville taught us it stands for not for long. Uh, and that, that's definitely true with the running back position where I think the average career span is like 2.3 years. I know CH is going to last a little bit longer than that, but just look at Todd Gurley as a perfect example of how fleeting it is. Yeah. And Pacheco is a guy that I, I love going out and getting because he, he, we've seen that explosion there and Mm -hmm. he hasn't had a big fantasy game week one kind of, you know, he had 60 some yards and a touchdown. So we kind of saw it. Then last week we had 60 yards and yeah, that was in an Island game. So it kind of raises the eyebrows a little bit. We saw nothing weeks two and three, but he's in a position that if uh, McKinnon or Clyde Edwards Hilaire were to miss time, you know, he, this is one of those that he could spike some value and, and be used weekly in a very explosive Chiefs offense. And, you know, the, the ceiling is un, really on tap there. And I think it's a guy that if, if you're in a league that people aren't paying super attention or just kind of looking at box scores and seeing, well, you got me six points one week and two points one week and one point the other week, then that might be one that they'd be like, well, I can let him go, um, you know, even as a throw in on a bigger deal. And that that could really be a league winner down the line if things break right for him 
Absolutely. Uh, I like, I like trades like this, especially this time of year before we hit the bye weeks you know, before the full attrition kicks in. Uh, and we see this with rookie running backs all the time. I think now's a great time to go trade for Kenneth Walker. Even though I love Rashad Penny. I have a lot of love for Penny because uh, I think he's one of those guys that a lot of, there, there's a subset of people that are never touching Penny again. I'm never going to draft him again. Look, they used all this draft capital on Walker. Well, they spent a first round pick on Penny. You know, it's like they did that with him. And we saw what happens when he's healthy. But at the same time, I think Walker gets more use in the second half of the season. Well, and that Seahawks offense, that is a little bit more room to breathe, I think, than kind of what we expected. Geno Smith's been better than mm -hmm. what we expected going into there. And they've gotten really good play out of the two rookie tackles that they drafted, the right tackle, the left tackle. Um, yeah. I think Cross was the, the rookie that they took in the first round. Um, and I'm blanking on the guy that they got later, but they both performed well. We know what those receivers there's going to be there. And yeah, that could be a situation where if Penny gets injured or you know, maybe he gets traded. And and that's kind of what I've kind of looked at it because he's in a contract year and that Seattle has to feel good so far about how their season's gone. But at the same time, I don't know, being realistic, are they expecting to make the playoffs or make a playoff push where if Petty's going to play like he did last week and he starts to stack a couple of those games up and we see attrition of running backs across the league, that could be a situation where in a contract year, they can recoup some draft picks for him, go out there and play Kenneth Walker. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of remember back Nick Chubb's rookie year and where Nick yeah. Chubb wasn't doing much. And he was kind of stuck behind Carlos Hyde while well, they traded Carlos Hyde out of the blue to Jacksonville. Then all of a sudden Nick Chubb went right in there and Nick Chubb was a running back one as a rookie right away. And that swung leagues. And so that that is exactly the type of guy that you want to hold on to because even outside of injury, there is a scenario you can talk yourself into where he could ascend and be that primary back. Yeah, I think they'd have to go like one and four over the next five for that to happen and fire Pete Carroll. Because yeah. the problem is Pete Carroll. He's never going to be in that, okay, we're in development mode. He's not that coach. Yeah, and I don't really blame him. I mean, the way right, that Geno Smith course. has played and, you know, the the conversation that's kind of coming out of that on uh, Geno Smith is doing what we want him to do and what we're coaching him to do. The, the last guy wasn't necessarily doing that. It, it kind of right. seems like that's the vibe. And, you know, I do think that there was a probably a situation where hey, we've seen enough for Russell Wilson that he kind of seems like he's an interesting personality and that lock, locker room might have just been done with that and be ready to go with Geno. And, you know, you might see um, some of greater than the parts with that team moving forward yeah and, and sometimes you know we we downgrade the top receiver when a stud court the, the stud quarterback's gone and it's not necessarily right dk metcalf was better with gino than he was in the first three or four games after wilson came back cd lamb has been just fine with cooper rush and i'm glad the cowboys are you know not rushing Dak back this week at least i mean despite jerry jones in using his medical degree to, to declare that uh Dak is going to be ready all it's 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 you know, they've, they've tried to rush that process and, you know, fortunately they have, they haven't been able to, but I, I fear that situation a little bit there that they bring them back too soon. Yeah. And those are the type of receivers that we should be going in. Okay. With backup quarterbacks, a bigger guy that you, you throw the ball around him, he can go get it. Whereas in right. Carolina, we see DJ Moore might be a player that relies on timing a little bit more. And that timing's not there with Baker Mayfield. So he's not able to excel or even perform up to standard, but I completely agree on that. And, you know, I think it makes it a little bit, 
Cooper Rush being three and zero allows you to make sure that Dak's arm or hand strength is all the way there. Whereas yeah. maybe before, if you're in a situation where it's Jerry Jones and you're sitting at zero and four, and your backup quarterbacks got you to that point, you know may, maybe Dak's thumb might be a little bit stronger, quicker than uh, you know yeah. you would expect to see. Who needs to grip a ball anyhow? Yeah. It's very overrated yeah. these days. <laughs> Um, we'll talk about a couple other problem and rankings and problem guys in a sec, but, uh, one last note, football is officially back on monkey knife fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On monkey knife fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. I'm here with Jeff Bell from Football Guys. Jeff, I want to talk about a couple problem players. I want to get your take on them and what you're doing with them this week and in the future. Najee Harris. Uh, I, I've gotten so many questions this week. What do I do about Najee Harris? What, what, what do we expect of them? This offensive line is a problem. Your take. I'm ranking him at night at 19 this week. Um, you know, that back end yeah. RB two. you hit, I think you hit it. That offensive line is a problem. He's injured, whatever is going on there. That's, I don't, we've seen some screwy reporting with injuries. I feel like yeah. this year where it, it was like, initially it came out that it was a four to six, six week injury. And then all of a sudden like by Thursday, he's full practice, pr- perfectly fine apparently. Um, but we are seeing too, they're, they're using Jalen Warren a little bit too. And that was been the one thing that Mike Tomlin has always had that bell cow back. Like last week, it was a 75 25 snap split and they've talked about they wanted to use another back to spell Najee Harris and we're seeing that play out and really the buy-in on Najee Harris coming into the season was that he was one of the very few bell cow backs unquestioned in the league and so if you're not getting that and that passing game is going away a little bit because it doesn't seem like just from what we've seen so far with Kenny Pickett he's going to get the ball out and he's going to go mm-hmm. vertically with the, the down the field with the ball. And he's not uh, Ben Roethlisberger last year where Ben Roethlisberger knew that, okay, Najee Harris, he's going to have to be the outlet on this play. I'm going to have to just get rid of it and go to Najee Harris on that play. And I don't think you're going to see near as much as that. And, and you add everything up and even it's one of those that I've got him at 19 and I feel like I want to move him lower, but it feels like how can you move him lower than that at some right. level? You know, he, he, that at least he's going to get there on volume. You think maybe yeah. that's the case. And I think I have him six or 16 or 17, but I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm Joe Mixon and Najee Harris are both buried for me this week. And, and you know, Mixon, the Bengals can't run it, you know, do anything at a short yardage. And this is, this dates back to last year, even, you know, when things, even when things were going well, they had a real problem on third and one, fourth and one. Uh, they're, they're running weird toss sweeps on fourth and one. Stop. Don't get rid of that play, please. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know what to do with Mixon either. I don't think he's the problem. I think it's the offensive line. I, I think I'm, I don't know when I'm watching him, I'm seeing a little bit with the same thing with Zeke Elliott, where it's like it, older players who yeah. understand how to use their body and it, you just watch them run and it doesn't seem like they are very interested in finishing runs. It seems like they're way too often interested on how do I safely get to the ground? Like, okay, I picked up three yards. I figured out how to pick up three yards on this play. Like, let me safely get to the ground and we'll go to live to the next play. And it just kind of seems like it's one of these things that you see with backs. And I think that guys that get paid, I don't, I don't know. We're waiting into dangerous territory here, but um, 
you lose that little bit of an edge and you're not finishing runs. And if you're not finishing runs, then you're not breaking through those tackles and breaking big runs. And that's what you're seeing. I think both with Ezekiel Elliott and with Joe Mixon so far is there's just not, it, it doesn't even feel like, like he's one tackle away from breaking it. It's just like, he's just going to go down it's far yeah. too often um, and, you know, kind of play it safe. It really seems like, and the, the scary thing is there's no compliment there in Cincinnati either. And so it had, they drafted a rookie that maybe was pushing Mixon, but also able to make some plays too, at the same time, we might be in a little bit different scenario, but when Samaj P Ryan is the guy that you're bringing into spell and, you know, I think that everybody is probably about frustrated as can be with Samaj P. Ryan, especially if you're a Bengals fan. And yes, it's just one guy, of those. Right that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> feeling that with Samaj P. Ryan. And, and so it's just I don't know what the answer is there, because, um, you know, it, I think maybe the offensive line gets better and you start to see that maybe he clicks in a little bit more. But this is a guy that um, he's never been an ultra explosive athlete. You know, he's always kind of been that volume guy that kind of chips away and and will just occasionally break a run but uh, you know he's kind of you talk about Najee Harris kind of in that same similar mold where um, he just kind of chips away and yeah he'll get you a touchdown and, and pick up three catches and and he'll chip his way to getting you 15 points but he's never been that guy that's really threatened to be an overall RB1 in fantasy football yeah I can hear that Chris Evans hive buzzing just a little bit there uh the, tra- the very much smaller Travion Williams one not buzzing so much but uh we'll see uh Allen Robinson. Everybody is super frustrated with Allen Robinson. I don't think he's a cut, but I also think there's, I I, I think it's more than just the offensive line at this point in time. I think there is, he has to be wide open uh, because Stafford's going to look to cup first, second and third, and he's going to look to uh, Higby and Robinson isn't wide open when he does throw to Robinson. He had seven targets Monday night. He wasn't wide open. Yeah, the Rams are, you know, they're the ultimate stars and scrub build. And and I think losing Whitworth, they when they had the stars before they were able to win the Super Bowl because mm-hmm. they those guys were so good, those individual pieces were so good that they were able to bring it along. But losing Whitworth out of that, you know, it, it's it's not just the offensive line, but it is the offensive line. And, sure, and I think that, sure. you know, Stafford's reads, he's going to Cooper Cup first. That's how Cooper Cup gets 19 targets. And, and to be fair, Cooper Cup gets open. And then he's, it's really kind of like the Dallas situation last year where, you know, they were looking to CeeDee Lamb or to Amari Cooper, then bringing down to the tight end. And Allen Robinson's just not there. And, and it's one of those two you wonder as the league is moving more towards these guys that can quickly separate and these wide receivers that can create after they get the ball, these bigger body receivers, it kind of seems like the contested catches aren't necessarily there in the offense. Like what we used to see 10 to 15 years ago, because it used to be you wanted a big strong arm quarterback, a big wide receiver on the outside, and you were just going to jam that ball in there regardless of what's going on. Now it's much more schemed up touches and, and quick creative plays. And that doesn't really play into Allen Robinson's game. The offensive line being the offensive line doesn't help. And you know, when you're looking long-term, Van Jefferson coming back. I don't know what that's going to be, but you know, Odell Beckham's hanging out there too. And so you might be looking into enforcing and in, inserting another mouth into here because they need it because Ben Skoranek is a key player in that offense. And, you know, part of me wonders if Ben Skoranek's just in the field so that they get confused if, between him and Cooper cup. Sometimes. <laughs> uh, but now that, that's a player that's not going to beat you and dictate things. And, and so, yeah, I'm very concerned long-term and near-term about Allen Robinson that, you know, maybe this is just a scenario where we, we see these guys get older and you know, that they, they just lose that utility. 
Yeah, I am trying to buy low a little bit on uh, Kyle Pitts. I'm not doing so with Robinson. I'm not really doing so with Mixon either there. Um, we got a, a couple more questions. Uh, we got one more uh, trick question to do. It's uh, based on young players, so I'm going to go ahead and throw this at your way. Connor asks, Damian Pierce and Rashad White, another guy that might be on the upswing for Amon Ross St. Brown. Pretty stacked. Uh, Pierce is his flex. He's got Jameson Williams kind of hanging around on IR eventually someday. You like that trade? I do. I, I'm on Ross St. Brown is the guy that I'm, I'm buying in. And, and especially the way that we've seen the, this season go, if I can buy a wide receiver one, like, it, you know, I'm going to do that move. And, and I think that I'm on Ross St. Brown. We've seen enough that to know that he's going to be a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. And I am building rosters around those types of players. And so that's a move that I would do all day that I, I really like that move moving forward. I think we've seen enough to know that it wasn't a situation where, you know, I think there was a lot of talk last year where Amon Ross St. Brown was the only option and the Lions were losing. And that's why they did that. The Lions offense has something cooking and they are yeah. a very productive offense. And Amon Ross St. Brown, we know defenses are keying on in on him to stop him. They're they're not just letting him go because there's no other options or whatever else is going on this year. And we're seeing the explosive scoring out of him. That's exactly what you want out of a wide receiver. Yeah. And I think Williams coming back eventually uh, is going to, help a little bit I and mean, you know you'll take a few targets away but it's also going to take away some of that coverage too and the, the thing about the lions is they don't have offensive line problems right now they have one of the better offensive lines in football uh and as i'm a Bengals fan i'm thrilled that we drafted chase but you know so what would have been pretty darn awesome too and he's going to be a great player in this league already is a great player in this league yeah, that they might have the best young infrastructure of any team in in the NFL outside of that quarterback. And you know, Jared Goff is good enough that he's going to pull them out of being able to potentially draft that quarterback. The problem is that defense is bad enough that they might still be able to allow yeah. to get that young quarterback piece. But yeah, when you look at the through the wide receivers, that offensive line, and then the running backs as well with Swift and what we've seen from Jamal Williams this year. Yeah, the 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 Pats are really going to put us to the test of start your start your guys against the Lions test here because we don't even know who the quarterback's going to be this week. It'd probably be Mac Jones, but I'm not sure. And which I mean, I'm I'm happily starting Harris and Stevenson against them. Other than that, I'm not quite so not quite so sure. Yeah, we need to see if Jacoby Myers comes back too because yeah. I think that. If Jacoby Myers is on the field, that's the only piece of the passing game that I, I'm comfortable starting because we see we've seen over the last end of last year, beginning of this year, so much volume goes in his direction. And Devontae Parker had a great game week three when he was out, but he was a zero before he went out. And so mm -hmm. I think it's one of those that they know we know the formula that they want to do. They want to run the ball and especially the injury to Ty Montgomery, I think has forced them ha their hand into the direction they should have gone anyways, but right. running the ball between Damian Harris and Ramondi Stevenson playing ball control, keeping the score down. We know what this team wants to be. And when they, a team shows you what they want to be, believe them. So yeah, that's really the only piece that I would be interested. Um, and I'd play him off injury or if he's out, I would play Devonte Parker. I think, um, just because it's the Lions. Yeah, I think so too. I have to say, I'm really disappointed in Hunter Henry. I thought he would actually be a piece that they'd use a little bit more often. They had a point of going and getting him and Johnny Smith. Smith's hurt this week. Maybe Henry gets a little uptick, but I don't know if it's enough. Um, no, you're praying for a touchdown. It's just yeah, in those. And, exactly. and John Smith is a heartbreaker for me because he, he just is so explosive and athletic and you see so, small snippets and you're like, well, why are you not giving that guy the ball? Um, right. Then yeah, he's hurt. So, yeah, so it goes Jeff. Awesome stuff today. Really appreciate you taking some time. Uh, and again, tell everybody one more time where they can find your work. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at for whom Jaybell tolls. You can find me with fan with football guys. That's where almost everything's coming up. Um, footballguys.com. I'm the dynasty lead over there, and I've got three articles that I'm kind of putting out every week. Monday morning, I'm trying to get an article out every week that kind of gives you a real rundown, stats, information that you might want to know, and talking about some storylines coming out of the week. And then we do dynasty update rankings where we um, have the staff contribute and kind of really whoever's moving in dynasty one direction or another will write snippets up and we'll release those articles every week. And then I have a college football preview that we do with the staff contributes. And if you're interested in college football, read that article and it gets, will get you ready for the week ahead. And then the Debbie Royale Patreon is, um, find us on Patreon, find us on Twitter and the college manifesto is really the best thing that comes out of there. So join the Patreon and, and we give you this manifesto and it really runs down. If you play college fantasy, we got depth charts. We talk about all the primary players that you need to know. And it's really a great resource. Sounds awesome. Hey, great stuff as always. Uh, let's cross pass again sometime soon. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, Jeff Bell, everybody. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks. Uh, no house advantage for sponsoring this podcast. Have a great day. When you make decisions for your company, you always look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing and shipping to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your process to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, books, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart if you sell online. Schedule package pickups through the dashboard and automatically see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers with rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are, even on the go. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other business decision makers with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.